Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Portions of the Oilers Now podcast are brought to you by ProAmSports.ca. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Office supplies at huge savings? Yeah, Digitex does that. D-I-G-I-T-E-X dot C-A on Oilers Radio. 630 Chad. 12.35 in Edmonton, Brennan Ulrich with you on Oilers Now, 6.30 Chet, of course, the home of the Oilers and the Eskimos. The Eskimos opening up training camp today. Uh, a lot of the Oilers at the Worlds right now, the Oilers, well, Connor McDavid and Ryan Eugene Hopkins and Darnell Nurse are playing, of course, for Team Canada. They shut out uh, Germany 3-0 earlier today. Connor McDavid, two assists. Nugent Hopkins, a goal and an assist. We heard from uh, Braden Shen earlier in the show who is, of course, playing on the line with McDavid and Nugent Hopkins. We're going to uh, switch focus now to Game 3 of the Eastern Conference Final tonight from Washington. We'll be uh, bringing aboard Gary Galley in 20 seconds. I should mention, though, some guests on the show received gift certificates to Roos Chris Steakhouse. Follow the sizzle to Alberta's own Roos Chris Steakhouse, 9990 Jasper Avenue. A reminder that every Wednesday is date night at Roos Chris, where two can dine for $120. And Gary is uh, Sportsnet's and Hockey Night in Canada's uh, color analyst for this series. Gary, how are things going? Well, it's going great. I mean, it's uh, playoffs are a great time of year. Uh, I think we wait all season long, not just as fans, but as players, ex-players, and guys are in broadcasting now. It's the most exciting time of the year. It's when we see players step up that you don't expect, and uh, and we see performances that uh, that you know that make you go wow. And uh, the playoffs have been just like that. And uh, we've got Final Four. We've got three teams that have never won a cup before. Their organizations have never won a cup. I mean, how exciting is that for them? And uh, the one team that has won a cup, and it was a while ago, but they won a cup here in Tampa, but they're on the ropes big time here against Washington. Yeah, I'm loving the fact that uh, a new team is likely going to win the Stanley Cup this season. Uh, I was getting stale seeing Pittsburgh win every year, unless you're a Pittsburgh fan. But uh, I'm actually a Capitals fan, Gary, so I'm pretty pumped up seeing the Capitals uh, get out to a 2-0 series leader. I'm surprised, though, uh, as I'm sure a lot of people are, the fact that it's been so easy for them after what we saw Tampa do to Boston. I know you worked that series as well. So what has surprised you the most, I guess, uh, through two games of this series? You know what? I, I played for the Capitals back in the late 80s, and uh, Brian McClellan, who's the general manager, is uh, was a teammate of mine at Bowling Green and in Los Angeles when I played there. And, um, you know, and I, ha- I have a lot of respect for Barry Trotz. He's been in this game a long, long time. And so they are a team that I think that a lot of people, and, and Ovechkin is very polarizing. He's been a great ambassador for the National Hockey League. I mean, I mean, I think if you're even not a fan of the Washington Capitals, you're a fan of Alexander Ovechkin and, and his scoring prowess. He's one of the most gifted goal scorers of our time, and, and I think so. I think there's people out there that in a way are pulling a little bit for him, saying, you know what, he does deserve a Stanley Cup, and, but you've got to earn it. And I'll tell you what, I don't, I, don't, you know, I don't know if Tampa Bay is playing as bad as they did in Game 1. I think in Game 2 they didn't play bad. I think Washington is just really pushing them hard, and I think the one area 
that if I was going to look at Tampa and say, you know, that actually Tampa exposed on the Bruins was maybe a little bit of a slower defense core. Down low, I think some of the Bruins' defense struggled against some of the stronger, quicker forwards of Tampa Bay. And now I think the same thing is happening to Tampa Bay. I think some of the defense core, uh, you know, like Ryan McDonough and Colburn, Stroman to a certain extent, they're all struggling with the size and speed of the of the Washington forwards. And the down low coverages are getting missed. People are having opportunities that we didn't see in the Boston or the New Jersey series when Tampa was playing. Uh, it's an issue that they had during the course of the year. They had some issues in their defensive zone. Uh, they're going to have to solve them, and I mean solve them like by 8 o'clock tonight. Because if they drop another one, uh, you know, they're in a hard spot right now. They drop another one, and, and, and this, this thing could be done really quick. Yeah, you talk about the speed of the Caps. Uh, I think they learned a lot from those uh, series with Pittsburgh the last years because Pittsburgh's such a speedy team. And, uh, you know, you look at last year, they had Winnick in the lineup. They had Williams. He's a little uh, slower at uh, his age right now. Uh, but it just seems like all four lines for the Capitals can fly, and it seemed like Pittsburgh could do that against the Capitals last year, and maybe that's the difference in it, it, the last few years as well. But if you ask uh, Kuznetsov what's wrong with Tampa Bay right now, he'll tell you their forecheck. So I know uh, at the morning skate today, it seemed like that was the focus, what's wrong with Tampa Bay's forecheck. And I, I thought Stamkos had some interesting comments. He talked about the third forward and uh, maybe that being a problem. So what would you take away from uh, those comments from Kuznetsov and maybe the adjustments that Tampa will try to make tonight? Well, if you look at all the goals that are scored, and there's been 10 of them, uh, you know, or, you know, or, or, and, and you look at them and you'll see a lot of them are, you know, missed guy at the net, missed guy at the net, battle lost in the corner, face-off lost in the offensive zone, poor coverage going out to the point, the wrong guy taking the face-off. That's not forechecking issues to me. It's not what you get in this game, it's what you leave. If you leave too much, then you're chasing the game. And that's the first thing John Cooper said about the Boston Bruins. In game one, we were chasing. We need the Bruins to chase us. Well, They've been chasing, and, and they're chasing because they're leaving a lot at the back end. It's like a billiard shot. If you're not going to make the shot, then don't give your opponent anything that he can get off of it and get on any type of run. And, and, and I, yes, the forecheck is an issue because of the 1-4 that Washington plays, but I thought in Game 2, Tampa did a much better job of supporting the guy with the puck. They were in close proximity. They used the hitch coming off the, off the neutral zone. They did a lot better things to get into the offensive zone. And for a first in the first period, in the first period and a half, two periods, this was a pretty tight game. And then it got blown apart in 68 seconds. And it got blown apart in 68 seconds because of a bad penalty. And I, I really think, I, and I didn't understand why Tyler Johnson was taking that face off. He'd only taken one so far in the night. Paquette was out there with him. He, has, he was at 88%. He didn't take the draw. It was a loss clean. And within seconds, it was in the back of their net. And it happened in game one. So I think these are issues they've really got to solve uh, if they're going to have a chance to win. And, and But, yeah, the 1-4 has given them a bit of a headache in game one. I thought they were better in game two. Yeah, I know you uh, brought up during the broadcast a few times, Stamkos really trying to attack them on the rush, you know, and use the speed a little bit. So maybe we'll see uh, Tampa try to do that a little bit more tonight. But in terms of Stamkos, um, do you think Tampa needs more from him? Do they need more from Kucherov? Who needs to step up, I guess, or is it just a collective group? I, I think if you ask the Tampa Bay Lightning, I just feel like they've got to find another gear because there's a gear that they're not matching with Washington's. That's the gear that is going to give them, uh, I think, a little more edge, a little more puck possession. And But I do believe it's reading the rushes. It's reading the, uh, like, you know, when you look at the games and the mistakes, I think they're little things add up. 
Uh, when you have the puck on your stick like JT Miller did, underneath the tops of the circles, uh, the bottoms of the circles in the Washington zone, and then you go to drop a puck back to McDonough and it doesn't get there, and then all of a sudden they go down, Smith Pelly scores. That's a big goal in the game. That's like, that's a turnaround goal. And, and so these are mistakes that they can't afford to make. They can't afford to lose faceoffs and have poor coverages going out to the points. They gotta get in those shooting lanes. They need, when the score gets to 2-1 or 3-2, Kuznetsov, uh, 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 has got to shut the door. He can't allow four, five, and six. I mean, there's just so many little things that Tampa Bay has to do on the ice, and it's not related to how much they care or how passionate they are or how bad they want it. Those things are all, you know, there for sure. This is a very good hockey team. I mean, it sounds like we're talking, but this is a very good hockey team that's more than capable of winning two games here in Washington, but they got to clean up some of the little things and some of the focus issues they're having at certain times in the games, that's really costing them. You know, you flip it over to Washington, they get a, they get a penalty that they don't deserve. Uh, Tampa Bay scores on it. I mean, uh, you think, boy, a team that's not been here before, they could come unraveled, but there was nothing like that. This is a team that is very sure of themselves, very trots, trust these group of guys. They're not scared to make mistakes. They just come at you really hard. They challenge you every shift. They're heavy, they're big, they're physical. You know, and the four teams that are left are all fast. Every you look at every of the four teams, they all got fast four lines. They all can attack you, uh, but who can defend the best? Who can box out the best? Who can not make those critical mistakes at critical times? That's those are the teams that move on to the Stanley Cup Finals. Yeah, and it's amazing to think that uh, you know Washington's up two nothing without Backstrom. Of course, they closed out uh, Pittsburgh without Backstrom uh, as well. Uh, but Eller has really stepped up, and we don't know uh, when Backstrom will be back in this series. Trot saying uh, he's day-to-day. Wouldn't rule him out tonight, but I would assume he's not going to play. I don't know. We'll see what happens there. I don't know if you have a different sense on that, but uh, with uh, Eller stepping into that uh, second-line role in Montreal, he seems sort of lost at times. In Washington, he's been the third-line center uh, since day one, but uh, you know now that Backstrom is out, it seems like he's been confident in that role where he can step in now and uh, feel good about himself. I don't know. He's made a really big difference in this series. Yeah, as, as far as Backstrom is concerned, I mean, I think that you play with the with you know you're playing with the the casino's money right now. They've got a two nothing lead. What would be the point of putting him in if he's not a hundred percent? If you were down two nothing, you would see probably Backstrom playing tonight. But you don't need to. And the fact that if until they get into any kind of serious trouble, I would leave that hand heal and heal and heal because if you don't get into that trouble, now you're going to the Stanley Cup Finals and you're going to need Backstrom in your lineup. So the longer that hand heals, and we're assuming it's a fracture of some sort in the hand, uh, the better it's going to be. It doesn't affect his skating legs. They can push him hard in practice. His legs will be there when he steps onto the ice. This is a veteran player who knows how to, uh, how to get himself back into the lineup and, and be ready to go at a top level. I would, be, I would be very surprised if he plays tonight unless he's absolutely feeling like he is 100%. But even at that point, I would be very careful um, you know, bringing him into a series that you're in control of right now and you don't need to push him in. And the fact that Lars Eller, and I followed Lars a lot when he was at the Montreal Canadiens, and, uh, you know, when Jacques Martin and, all, and the coaching staff wanted him to be a defensive center, he always wanted to be a more of an offensive player. He wanted to be involved more in the offense. Um, but I think all those minutes that he played learning the game defensively, learning how to play the game defensively, it has made him a very, very good third-line 200-foot center that can easily move into your top two lines and play. You can, you can inject him into your power play. You can use him on the, on the penalty kill. He can be out there in the last minute of play when you're up a goal. 
this is a guy that you can move around your lineup. And when they made the deal for him, Barry Trotz called him, and he said, you are our third-line center. I want you to know that going in here, but you're going to get great opportunity. And Lars has bought into that, and, and he's flourished here. And it's, it's a great story, and it's a great, uh, you know, uh, for Barry Trotz to reach out and, and set the roles for his players. They know what they're supposed to be doing. Have you been following uh, the other series at all, Gary? Uh, who do you like coming out of the West? <laughs> I did the first round, Winnipeg yeah. and, uh, and Minnesota, and, and it was a, uh, it was a, uh, it was uh, I was I, I've I've really been uh, intrigued by by Winnipeg. Uh, it's a team that I followed a little bit this year. I did some games. Um, you know, I, I, I have a ton of respect for Paul Maurice. Um, Charlie Huddy's a guy I played with. I have a ton of respect for Chaz and Wade Flaherty, who's been there and with the goaltending and. And I really think this team, has, uh, you know, showed a ton of patience from their ownership. And Mark Chipman uh, and Shevel Dayoff has had no knee-jerk reactions. He stayed with it, and 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 somewhat what the Toronto Maple Leafs are trying to do. He hasn't listened to the exterior noise. He's built around his young players. They've done a excellent job with their scouting and their development of their players. This team is more than capable of winning a Stanley Cup right now. And and but when you get to the Final Four, all those teams are. And you have to get through the ups and downs. They had a great first game. Uh, the second game, the, the the Vegas Golden Knights, and to their credit, and the great season they're having, they answered. But if Win- if Winnipeg can get into that hard, heavy, fast game, uh, it, it is one that's going to be very difficult, I think, to stop. And uh, I, I'm I'm I mean, I think I look at it, and I uh, looking back at it, I would love to see uh, uh, you know, I'd love to see Winnipeg. Have a crack at a Stanley Cup, just being Canadian, and it's the only Canadian team we got left in here. So we should all be rooting for them. Uh, but at the end of the day, there is a lot of work left to do. But they've got they've got all the pieces there, and uh, and it's more more than capable of winning. I wanted to just quickly ask you, Gary, about today's defenseman at the NHL. Of course, you had a long uh, NHL career. Uh, I was listening to uh, Steve Kerr during uh, the basketball game last night, and he said there's no way he could have played in that game 20 years ago based on the, the style that the NBA has, uh, you know, went to. It's a lot of shooting and, uh, you know, athletic uh, shooters. At, but you, my friend, could play in today's NHL. You were uh, the prototypical type defenseman. You put up a lot of points. You weren't the biggest guy, but it seems like, you know, the, the shift has you know, went to that uh, puck-moving defenseman, not the bigger bruiser type. So uh, maybe just talk about the shift and what you're noticing just uh, throughout the playoffs today and watching a guy like Orlov, maybe who was successful in Washington, he's a guy that comes to mind that sort of fits that bill as well. You know, I, I oftentimes I'll say on the broadcast, you know, activate the D, activate the D, you know, and that's how you're going to be successful. You've got to have your D activated. Nashville does a wonderful job with it. Winnipeg and and, you know, it does as well. You look at the Washington Capitals, how much have they produced in this series from their back end, uh, from their blue line? It's been incredible. Uh, if, if Tampa is going to get into it, you know, uh, they've got to get some action from their backside. Victor Hedman's got to start to, to really push it from the back end. And, and I, I think to myself, man, would I ever like to have someone say that to me? You know, <laughs> when I was playing, instead of saying, you know, hey, watch it, chip it, you know, no pinching, you know, back up, receive the rush, learn the, you know, all that stuff. Like, you know, it was, um, you know, it, it, it would be, it would have been nice to be able to play in this, uh, this era and be able to have a chance to, to get up and be involved more in the offense. That's the kind of player that I was. But in order to play in the National Hockey League and have a long career in the National Hockey League, at the time we were at, you know, things, things were different. Uh, you had to, you know, get your cookies on the power play. You had to get out there and be successful in the power play. Uh, but I wouldn't trade my time uh, in the game and uh, yeah, for the time now. I enjoyed playing against the players I played against. Uh, 
um, the wonderful buildings that I played in that are no longer around. I had a chance to play in Maple Leaf Gardens and, and Chicago Stadium and Boston Garden and the Autumn Buffalo and the St. Louis Arena. I mean, I had a chance to, to really uh, have all those things uh, in my memories of playing in the National Hockey League. So certainly I wouldn't trade my 17 years, but uh, certainly it would have been nice to be involved in a more offensive-minded back set, and certainly the salaries wouldn't hurt either. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, you're making a ton with uh, sports, and I'm sure right now. <laughs> well, <laughs> while we have you, Gary, I should ask you about the Oilers' blue line, because uh, that's an area they need to you know, sort of fix, I guess. There's some promising pieces there uh, with Nurse, Clefbaum, who was banged up, Larson, Bear stepped in late last year and looked promising. Uh, what have you noticed with this group? What do you like about this group uh, moving forward on the back end? and what don't you like? You know, I, I, I kind of thought, like, uh, last year, um, I kind of thought it looked like they were on their way. And I really kind of felt like, okay, they're starting to come around. And then, and then you know, when you're not on the inside of the dressing room and you don't know all the, uh, all the little intricacies of what's going on, who's hurt, who's banged up, who's been playing hurt, uh, you, know, uh, you know, what's affecting certain players and, the, and, and things that are going on, it's hard to really pinpoint what the issues are. But certainly this year was... Uh, a step not in the right direction. I think some of the players certainly did, but as an overall defense core, I think they, they really need to, to shore up and get players slotted in the right places, and maybe there's a couple of slots where they need to find a player to fit in that slot. Maybe they don't have that player yet, uh, but they need to, to work on getting a player to that slot. Everybody has to, when you have six defensemen, they have to fall into the right, right one, two, three, four, five, six, and if they fall into that right slot, then you, you get some real traction from the backside. And when you look at the good teams, the teams that are in the, in the final four right now, you know, they have that number one guy slot, that number two, the three, the four, and everyone plays their role and they carry their minutes and they're able to, to do that. When you slot a guy who's a four in a two spot, when you slot a guy who's a five in a three spot, you know, that, that, that's a guy that, you know, is, is going to go out there and he's going to play, but maybe you're not getting as, as much as you need out of that, out of that spot. So I think they've got to, you know, uh, look at what they have, uh, slot the players in, find out what they don't have, and then do their best to try to, to get to get someone who can fit into those spots. Because in order to get where these teams are right now, uh, definitely they have some work to do on the back end. Well said. They have the 10th pick. There are some D-men there. Maybe they draft a guy as well. We appreciate your time, Gary. If this gets to six or seven games this series, we'll have to do it again next week if uh, you're up for it. I'm, I'm good to go, guys. <laughs> Enjoy the games, and we'll talk soon. Thanks, Gary. Appreciate it. Okay, that is Gary Galley. He'll have the call alongside uh, Paul Romanuk uh, on Sportsnet tonight's uh, Game 3 of the Eastern Conference Final. It's 12.52 in Edmonton. We'll take a time out. We'll come back with more of your text messages. We still have Steve Coolios and Stuart Skinner ahead on Oilers Now. When you want to fly your Oilers colors with fan gear or outfit your fan cave, there's only one place. ProAmSports.ca. Jerseys, apparel, headwear, and memorabilia from your favorite players and teams. Whether it's the NHL, the CFL, the NFL, MLB, or more, ProAm Sports are your fan cave specialists. And if it comes with a ProAm Sports certificate of authenticity and hologram, you know it's 100% authentic, hand signed memorabilia. So no matter who you cheer for, ProAm Sports has got your guy. Visit their Edmonton show. Showroom on St. Albert Trail. Fill your fan cave at proamsports.ca. That's proamsports.ca. This is Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer on Oilers Radio 630 Ched. 12:55 in Edmonton. Brendan Ulrich with you. This is Oilers Now. Q 
Canada at the Worlds earlier today, knocking off Germany 3-0. That uh, ends the tournament for Leon Dreisettle and Team Germany. But McDavid, Nugent Hopkins, and Nurse moving on to the quarterfinals on Thursday. They will play the loser of Russia and Sweden. That game going right now. And uh, Russia has a 1-0 lead late in the first period. Of course, Adam Larson playing for Sweden in that one. So... We'll wait and see if it will be McDavid and Nuge going toe-to-toe with uh, Adam Larson. It looks that way right now if uh, Russia hangs on and uh, closes out that game. You can text us 630-630. One coming in here. Saying loving the chemistry between McDavid and uh, Nuge and Hopkins. Yes, I think that's going to carry over into uh, next season very nicely. We'll see if Raddy can be uh, the right wing uh on that uh, line. There was a text here earlier saying something with Yamamoto. Where did that one go? I think this was uh, referencing our conversation yesterday. Why are you so hung up on Yamo? My goodness, haven't seen one thing that has impressed me. Small and unproven like a few of the other highly touted picks you guys raved about. Well, he's young. I mean, he's 19. What I was saying yesterday is you look at the right wing uh, depth chart. There's Ratty, there's Poliarvi. There's Cassian, there's Aber who can play on the right side. Slepashev and Pakarin appear to be uh, heading out. So, where does Yamamoto slide in? I mean, I was saying skill-wise, he's likely the second best skilled guy they have, but I think they would like to have Yamamoto in the AHL to start next season. But if he plays his way into a spot, I guess uh, there's that chance. But I think ideally, you'd like to have him at the AHL level. So they likely need to go out and sign a veteran right winger. And we'll see how Ratty holds up uh, on that top line if uh, he in- if he ends up there. I'm assuming they may go back with what they had at the end of last season. Maybe it's about finding dry settle a winger. Maybe it's Poliarvi next season. But if you have Nuge, McDavid, and uh, Ratty as a line, that would make sense. Mike in St. John says, Hey, BU, what are your thoughts on the D going forward? And can Sekera be bought out to sign Nurse? What about Grabner? Another one comes in saying, Get Jerome Ginla. I think that ship has sailed for Ginla, although in his prime he would have been perfect, or even a few years ago. Uh, well, I just asked uh, Gary Galley about the D. I do think the Oilers need to improve the D. Uh, I would not trade Kleppbaum to improve the D. I think uh, the Oilers likely lose that trade because you'd be selling short after an off uh, season four. Uh, bomb. what I would do is I would keep the 10th overall pick. I wouldn't trade it. I'd draft your right shot defenseman there, and maybe it's uh, a year or two away. But that, to me, would make a lot of sense. There are a lot of guys here uh, in that range for the Oilers that could be there at 10 that could fill that role as the right shot, you know, power play type guy, whether it's uh, Boquist, Dobson, or Bouchard. I love Bouchard, but he might go... Um, Dobson would make sense as well. Dan Maher said perhaps there's some Alex Petrangelo in his game. So those are what, that's what I would do. I know you could you know trade that pick right now, likely for uh, for a defenseman that could be a red shot guy next season. But then you need to protect him in expansion. Uh, of course, you're paying that salary right at the get go, and then another guy would likely need to be moved. So we'll see what happens. Some work to be done with the D, no no doubt about that. And on Sacre, you would hope that uh, he regains his form this season. I still have faith in him. It's tough to uh, jump mid-season after an ACL injury and uh, be expected to be what you were the year before. So 
We'll see what happens to Sekera, but I expect him to bounce back. It's 12.59. We'll take a timeout for uh, the 1 o'clock news with Brenton Dreger, who's in for Eileen Bell today. When we come back, Steve Coolius from uh, Sirius XM NHL Network Radio.